The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, God bless you, Ecclesia. There is literally, there are a few things I love more uh, than getting to teach you, especially as we start a new year and we get to begin again. So happy new year, Ecclesia. Thank you, you're much better than the nine o'clock. They just sat there and refused to say happy new year back to me, which I took as an insult and maybe the fact that they hadn't had enough coffee. So you are much kinder and I prefer you to them and you can tell them that when you see the people that were here at, at nine. Uh, we're starting a new year, and for a lot of us, that comes with some hope and some optimism and probably some change. And so I'm curious, whether you call it a resolution or not, what do you intend to do different in the new year? What's 2022 gonna be different uh, like for you? What are you gonna do? Your resolution, over here, start, give me a couple. Find a hobby. Find a hobby. Any idea what it might be? No idea. If anybody has suggestions, we can come with a new hobby. Yes. More relationships that go below the surface, that go deeper. Anybody else want to share that one? Is there anybody else here that goes, that would be just, just the two of us, apparently. We're the, okay, good. There are a few others that relationships that go deeper. Anybody tired of doing small talk? Just me. Okay, good. Did we just go, hey, that's not what we want to do. That's a great one for the new year. Over here, new year. Nobody's gonna change anything in the new year? More service. I'm, I'm gonna find ways to serve other people. If, I, if you could cut to one that I would tell you would change your demeanor and your depression and whatever you're struggling with, serving others would be it. Somebody else over here? That's the only change that's gonna happen. Yes. Keep a journal. That's one of the things that pastors love to tell everybody to do and never do. So. But it's a great thing to do, and, um, and it's helpful to look back and see some of where God's taking you. Different in the new year, resolution or not, what are you gonna do different in the new year? Right over here. Read more, right? TV, I don't know if you've realized, it's toxic. Is anybody else starting to realize like there are so few good things you can watch? Anybody else currently watching the awfully depraved show that I'm watching, Succession? These are the worst human beings on the planet. The only good thing is that you finish watching and you're like, well, I'm not as bad as they are, so <laughs> that feels good, but there's very little in it that is spiritually edifying in any way other than that. Anybody else towards the back? Something you're gonna do different this year. No aspirations or goals, same as last year. Somebody from the back's got something. What was that? Be a better wife. That'd be a great one to say, you know what? I'm gonna lean into this and if you've got a partner or you've got a best friend or you've got a community, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve them better. It's because the service we're talking about, it ought to begin in our closest relationships. Over here, something different in the new year. Beautiful. Shelby said, I'm gonna say no to the things I need to say no to so I can do the things that really actually matter. Anybody else wanna? Piggyback on that one and say like, I'd do, I would do that. Somebody else back over here, one more. Take more walks. That's a great way, I mean just, and literally I, I have an encouragement continually in sermons to go, if you're a walker and I think you all should be, there's just something about it that God meets me when I go on a walk. 
If you just be the kind of walker that picks up trash when you're walking, like your neighbors will be like, what are you doing? Don't we wait for people from the city to do that or something? Just to be the kind of person of faith that just goes, I'm gonna make every place I go, I'm gonna make it a little bit better. These are all awesome, by the way. Um, and I'm surprised none of you are echoing the one that I'm at. I had a great year last year, despite the world was really hard. And I think I spent the last six months celebrating that my kids were thriving and I was thriving and I had a happy, healthy, whole relationship that felt rewarding. And I rewarded myself by eating as much as I possibly could on a regular basis. And uh, I hit New Year's Eve at the all time, I literally wanted to spit on the scale when I saw it. It just was one of those like, you're, you're saying that to me, right? It was a number I'd never seen before. And so I am the caricature of uh, what you talk about in the new year of like, I have not missed a day at the gym since January 1, right? So, and people would go like, why pick January 1? Like you could have picked any day uh, to start over and start to get your body on track. And I would say to you, are you kidding me, right? Do you remember what December was like? And, um, and there was no way in December, I'm like, why? Well, I got two words for you, cookies and wine. That, those were the... And the two go, I don't know if you've tried it, but they go really good together. And so people keep giving you cookies and they keep giving you wine and you feel obligated to appreciate their gifts. And so I'm entering the new year with a commitment to not stay at that weight and um, to be a healthier person. I had a very close friend in the church that we shared the same birthday and um, I'm just a few hours older than him. and. Uh, Sam would normally be sitting over here with his wife, Elizabeth and Elijah. And Sam died of a massive heart attack this year. And, um, and we, I miss him and grieve him. And one of the ways that I've got to honor him is not follow in his example, right? And I'm, I'm gonna do my best to do that. So you probably all have some ways that you're like, hey, I, I wanna change this or that this year. And I, I personally think it's a, it's a great thing. I did this, these human practice dinners earlier in the year and I'm hoping to get back to them soon after this next wave of virus comes through us. And I'm hoping it's like gonna just wash over us and we're finally gonna be done. Anybody else praying for that? They were just gonna, we're finally gonna be done with this in the, in the panic phase. Now my guess is we're still gonna have some COVID popping around and some of us are gonna get sick and we're gonna go down for a little bit and we're gonna come right back. Um, and I think that would be a beautiful thing. And in that we imagine like, what would we want? This was the primary home run question if you went to human practice last year. What do you want your life to look like in a year, right? And I got to do a couple dozen of them, so I got to talk about it over and over. And miraculously, most of my life came together like I asked for and prayed for. I mean, literally, I was praying to be in a thriving relationship. I was praying uh, that my kids would be doing really well. And I was praying that I would move uh, to a specific place I wanted to live in this really diverse neighborhood. And I live exactly there now. And I love it. Literally on my floor, um, I got people that speak Arabic, Chinese, and Spanish, all just on my floor right around me. Right? And if you know me very well, you know, like, that's where I thrive. Like for me, that's because by the way, that's what heaven's going to be like. So if you don't like other cultures and other foods, you're going to hate heaven and nobody wants to hate heaven, right? Like we're, that's the great thing in heaven. Like you're going to be able to get Filipino food whenever you want. It's just going to be right there because you're going to have a Filipino neighbor and uh, you're just, there's going to be so much beauty uh, around us. But some things didn't turn out like I wanted. A lot of those were out of my control. Some things in the world 
Anybody else come to realize like you can't control other people? You just, you can pray for them. You can encourage them. But some things just, they didn't turn out quite like I wanted. And I have to look at my own life and go, okay, this is not always the place I thought I would be. And so today, we want to talk about how do we handle when, because uh, I expected this year, by the way, I thought this Sunday was going to be a Sunday like I would see all of your faces, and we were going to be done with masking and virus, and we were, I just really believed like this was going to be a new world, and we were moving into it. I still believe that, it's just, I'm going to believe it for like eight to ten weeks later. I'm not giving up hope at all. Um, I think we just got to ride this little wave out a little bit longer. But this is not exactly, in fact, this is not the sermon I was supposed to preach. I'm going to talk to you today about setbacks and how we handle them. I, I didn't want any, I thought we were done with setbacks. But we're not. And so what do we do in a world that doesn't always measure up to our expectation, right? And there's real disappointment. And maybe you faced disappointment because you thought in your professional career things were heading a certain direction, you were gonna get a certain promotion, you were gonna get a certain raise, some success was gonna come and it didn't come, and in fact, maybe it was the opposite and you feel really disappointed. Maybe you're like me and you're a parent and what you realize is that you're doing pretty good when your kids are doing good, but if you got one kid that's struggling, the, the expression is true, right? You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. And you're just like, I, I want to do everything I can to help them succeed. Or maybe you are struggling with the reality of a relationship that's been toxic and it's failed and you don't know what's next. Or maybe you or somebody you love have a health problem and it's not going away. What do we do with those kind of disappointments and struggle? And for some of us, disappointment isn't a strong enough word because those realities have been so real and so painful for us that we're not disappointed, we're crushed. And if you're in that place today, this is part of what I want to be able to say to you. Philip Yancey says it well this way. Let me um, let that guide us into the scripture. Philip Yancey in this beautiful book called Disappointment with God. And Philip was writing at a day that um, if you're not a fan of Philip Yancey, you will be if you read his books. But especially in the day that he was writing, there were very few Christians that felt like they could just talk honestly about life in the world. And he talks about being disappointed with God in this book. And this is what he says. He says, we tend to think that life should be fair because God is fair, but God is not life. And if I confuse God with the physical reality of life by expecting constant good health, for example, then I set myself up for crashing disappointment. The reality is all of us know this in one place or the other, that the world is not perfect and the world is not fair and things don't always turn out like we expect. And in this passage in scripture we're gonna look at today, we're gonna to look at two. The first one's in John chapter three. And in John three, we get this guy that you would think from the outside had it all figured out because as a Jew uh, living in Israel in the time of Jesus, very few people had any power or influence and he had all of it. He was a Pharisee who was a member of the Sanhedrin. So what that means is he had religious and political power, which we likely know means he had a lot of wealth. So here's a rich guy who had his hand on every lever of power. You would think from the outside he had his life put together and maybe you know somebody like that. And I can tell you well enough to know because I, I know enough people and I pastor and I know things uh, about people's lives. And I can tell you, uh, sometimes the bigger the house and the more beautiful the facade, the, the uglier it is inside. And, and for Nicodemus, 
this guy, he was at this place that his, his faith didn't make sense in the reality of the context of his life, right? It, his, his religion couldn't actually stand up to the realities of his circumstances, and he didn't know how it fit together. And so in John chapter 3, we see this story, and it tells us that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a man with some cloud among his people, and he came to Jesus under the cloak of darkness to question him. Now, we know a few things about this, that, that Nicodemus was often in the temple. Jesus had just been in the temple. He, he was in the temple every day, the scriptures tell us at this point, teaching. Nicodemus could have talked to Jesus at any time. It's also fascinating that Jesus' last big outburst in the temple was to turn over these tables and tell people they had to cleanse it because they were taking advantage, advantage of the outsiders. And so it's ironic that Jesus shows this love for the outsiders and then the ultimate insider comes to visit with him. And he comes at night likely because he's got some questions that he wants to talk about with nobody else around. And Nicodemus says, teacher, some of us have been talking, and you're obviously a teacher who's come from God. The signs you're doing are proof that God is with you. He's saying, I see something, right? What's Nicodemus saying? I see something in you, and I want it. What is it? Because the faith I have, it's not, it, it doesn't allow me to make sense of the world that I'm in. And Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Only someone who experiences birth for a second time can hope to see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, Jesus talked about all the time, it's what everybody wanted. A place where everyone had enough, where we were equal, where we shared what we have in a way that no one was left out. There were no insiders or outsiders. It's what we all want. Now, Nicodemus had to hear this and think, this is the most impractical advice I've ever heard, right? Because he's saying, this is impossible. Jesus, I'm a grown man. How can, how can someone be born again when he's old like me, right? He's like, the physics of it don't work. My mom's five foot tall at this point, right? I'm six foot one. Can't redo that thing. I don't remember it. I don't really want to remember it. Like, I don't know exactly what happened, but I don't feel like it's possible to do it over. He says, am I to crawl into my mother's womb for a second birth? That's impossible. And Jesus explains it. And this is what he says. I tell you the truth, if someone does not experience water, first time by water, that water breaks and that physical reality becomes real and spirit birth, there's no chance he will make it into God's kingdom. Like comes from like. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born from spirit is spirit. What's Jesus saying? He's, he's saying, you don't, need, you don't need a new reality, right? You don't need a new resolution. You don't need one small thing in your life to change. You need to be reborn. You need to see everything differently. Now, it's not ironic Jesus was saying this because he was the one saying, this is what I've come to do. Over and over again, he was saying, I've come to make everything new from the inside out. He goes on and explains. Don't be shocked by my words, but I tell you the truth. Even you, an educated and respected man among your people, must be reborn by the Spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's my first question for you, Ecclesia. What would it look like this year for you to be reborn spiritually? To see everything differently? For Christ truly to be at the center of all that you do? Now, I don't know about you, but if you look back on the last year, would you go, I feel like Christ was at the center of all of my thoughts 
Or maybe you're like me. You know a lot about yourself by the first thought you have in the morning, right? Now, some of us don't think really clearly until we get our coffee. But most of what I think about in the morning is what I want to eat immediately and throughout the day. Now, now people mock me because I literally am just like, I'm planning, you know. I want to know what I have to look forward to in that day. And for me, mostly that involves food. You may look forward to different things, but I can look back on a day and what I think about and what goes on in my thought life and realize that too much of it evolves around me. I can tell you one thing I learned and I'm excited that now at Ecclesia, we're going to be getting our staff back into the field at what we'd get to do and at the front, uh, the frontera, the this is the word I struggle to start to use in Spanish more than English, the border uh, of Venezuela, uh, back to our partners in Mexico City and in Argentina, and hopefully we're gonna take some friends back to the Holy Land uh, soon. That when, I, when I'm in those places, I don't wake up thinking about myself. It's one of the greatest gifts. But too often in my world, that's part of what I end up with. And I wonder, what would it look like this year if we were to be reborn spiritually? And Christ was at the center of all that we do. There's a character in scripture that um, stands out to me when I think about disappointment and we find him in Genesis. In Genesis three, um, there's a story of this guy, Joseph. And Joseph literally felt like he had it all. Um, he, he was the, fa- how many of you here could be honest enough to go, you were your parents' favorite. You were the favorite child for sure, hands down some honest people here, right? And they're like, and was it because you were awesome or your siblings were losers? Do you know which one? It was probably a combination of both, right? And there's something about, if you talk to people and if you look who they are, um, when you feel like you're the favorite, you feel like you're gonna go out in the world and you're gonna be a success. Like you're gonna crush it because you have these people that believe in you. Now, this is what I'd tell you about really good parents. And this is the kind of parent you wanna be where you want all your kids to feel like they're the favorite, right? Like, like John in, in the Gospel of John, who knows how John described himself? He said he was the beloved disciple, right? He basically was like, I'm Jesus' favorite. Like, he was constantly, I, I think uniquely, Jesus had an ability to make everybody feel like they were his favorite. And um, maybe if you're a really good friend or you're a really good parent, Everybody feels like, I think, I think they like me more than everybody else, right? Jesus could do that in a way nobody else could. But Joseph, without a doubt, without a perfect parent, his dad Jacob seemed to love him the most. So it tells us in, in Genesis 3 that one day Joseph had a dream. And when he told the dream to his parents, it's Genesis 37, by the way, not Genesis 3. You... Th- this, he had this dream and he told the dream to his brothers and they hated him even more. Did we, did we start at verse one? Let's go back to verse one. Perfect. Now Israel, it tells us, he loved Joseph more than any of his other children because he came along when he was an old man. And so Israel presented Joseph with a special robe he had made for him. Right, if, if you can imagine, if you wanna know if you're the favorite, if at Christmas, every kid gets like something from the Salvation Army, a, a coat from the, and then one kid gets this coat from Neiman. It's like a custom suede, right? And you're like, wait, that was not at all equitable, at all. And Joseph ends up with this special robe. It was a colorful robe. And it was one that literally said it was something you would have worn every day. 
It was so valuable and so beautiful. It would have said to everyone, this person is really important. And Joseph believed it. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than the rest, they grew to hate him. And they couldn't find it in themselves to speak to him without resentment or argument. And it tells us one day Joseph had a dream. Now, Joseph had later on some dreams that were really messages from God. And sometimes God does speak to us in those ways. But a lot of times dreams are just what's happening in our subconscious. Or if you're like me, I have certain dreams whenever I eat Mexican food, right? Certain kinds of dreams. Anybody else like that or just, just me? Okay, good. Can't do good because we eat a lot of Mexican food and have, and they're good dreams. They're just different. I'm not going to go into any more detail. Um, what we know is that Joseph likely sometimes just dreamed about what he thought about. And you know what Joseph thought about a lot? I'm awesome, right? He just think like, my dad thinks I'm awesome. I think I'm pretty awesome. So he naturally has a dream about how awesome he is. And he's so unself-aware that he tells everybody this dream about how awesome he is. He said, please listen to this dream I had. There were, there were these binding sheaves in the field and suddenly my sheaf, it rose up and stood up and then your sheaves all gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf, right? Now, how's this gonna go over for anybody? Joseph's brothers said they were annoyed and they asked, are you serious? You think you're somehow destined to reign over us? You think you're going to be our king? We're going to bow down to you? And this dream and what he told them about it, it made them hate him even more. And what we know is the brothers were so irritated. Then he had a second dream and he was a star and they were stars and the stars came and bowed down to him. And he was so stupid, he didn't realize how much the last dream irritated and he told him that one. And that led his brothers to the point they were so fed up with him that they did everything short of kill him. And Joseph went from thinking, I'm the favorite and I'm going to inherit everything and I'm going to crush it in life to being a slave, to being caught in the bottom of a well, to having nothing. Now I can tell you, Joseph knew what it was like to feel disappointed. And maybe you started out in life and you thought your life was going to be something easier or better than it is. Welcome to all of our reality. I'm an Enneagram 8. If you know anything about 8s, we just think we can do hard things. Like, if anything's hard, I can still do it. And I got to some things in my life that were hard, and you know what? I couldn't do it. I, I literally, there was no way through. It wasn't what I expected. And so on the other side, you end up in a place where you're looking at a life that it's just not the life that you'd hoped for. And what I want to ask you to do and join me in is to say, what would it look like, given the reality of all of our disappointments, to acknowledge them and to allow God to meet us in that place? G.K. Chesterton says it this way, and I want to leave you with just a couple of these thoughts. The object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It's that we should have a new soul. Ecclesia, this is a chance to turn things over to let all things be new. And if you're in some toxic relationships and you just don't call them back, don't re-engage, then go, why? why? Why won't you text me back? It's a new year and I'm starting over. If you've got some habits that have just been plaguing you, if you, like me, could easily be addicted to coffee or wine or cookies or whatever it is, and just I'm sticking with my coffee addiction 100% right now, by the way. 
I'm drinking it morning to night and then switching to chamomile tea at night because I'm on the keto. It's demonic. <laughs> and yet it's better than counting calories. That's my current estimate. So what, whatever it is that you'd be at a place that you could say, I'm going to let it go. Why? It's a new year. But that it would not just be a part of a resolution, that it would be part of saying, God, I want to I see everything differently. I want a new soul. I want a new love for you. I want to be reborn spiritually. And I want to live a life in 2022 that values the things that you value. And so as we come to communion today, will you allow me a moment just to pray over you? I believe that the reality that the world's turned over and over and over again has discombobulated all of us to the point of confusion. And yet it's offered us a chance. Literally, it's a blank slate in front of us. We could live any kind of life we want to live right now. You could make almost any decision, it would make sense. So why not make a decision that puts the things of the kingdom of God at the forefront rather than just what I want? Maybe you're like Joseph and you have dreams and you wake up thinking about yourself or like me and what you want to eat and what you want to do. And my prayer is that in this year that my dreams would be for other people, my heart would be for other people, that I'd be made to serve and love in a new way. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.